Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Future Strategist with James Miller. Today, I'm interviewing Roman Yamplansky, who is <laughs> – sorry, <laughs> how do you pronounce your last name again? Yampolsky. Yampolsky. Uh, well, Roman, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Uh, sure. I'm an associate professor at the uh, Speed School of Engineering at the University of Louisville. I also direct our cybersecurity lab. And uh, my area of expertise is uh, kind of intersection of uh, artificial intelligence and cybersecurity. Okay. Yes. And uh, Roman and I are currently um, editors on a book called The Singularity Hypothesis 2. And Roman wrote an excellent book, Artificial Superintelligence, A Futuristic Approach. Thank you. And uh, Roman's written several papers on the, the idea of the singularity and AI risk and whether we can contain um, a, an artificial superintelligence. So, Roman, how worried are you about um, an artificial superhuman intelligence, like, you know, destroying Earth or doing very bad things to us? Well, so I'm always asked, are you a pessimist? Are you an optimist? I always say I'm a realist. Uh, there is an obvious uh, potential for trouble. Like with any technology, it could be used for good or for bad. So it's good to be prepared. I'm not losing sleep over it, but I'm worried enough to dedicate significant number of my hours to that problem. Okay. So you're, you're not worrying sleep over it. Like, I, think, I think it's very likely to destroy us. So I'd be interested to get at why we disagree about this. So well, we may agree. It's just people handle uh, risk in different <laughs> ways. Some are more calm. Ah, I see. <laughs> Well, I, let's imagine that we develop an artificial superintelligence, like, you know, Google's DeepMind does something, it becomes smarter than human. Um, but this is before we figured out how to, like, mathematically guarantee friendliness. What are the odds that it, you know, paper clips the universe or, you know, takes all the atoms it can get to expand itself and, you know, basically destroys its light cone? There is an almost infinite number of ways it can screw up uh with, uh, you know, how it takes over the universe and, as a side effect, uh, wipe out humanity. Um, it's possible it will not, but it's probably less likely. So, yeah, it is an issue. Uh, I just uh, kind of treat it as any other existential risk, you know, an asteroid could hit us in the next couple of years, and it's not something you panic about. You try to do your best work to... To work around it. Well, I mean, the chance of an asteroid hitting us in the next century, you know, a big enough one to kill over a billion people is we can be pretty confident that's a fairly slow, low probability. But with AI, I mean, would you say over the next century, if assuming nothing else kills us, the chance of an AI superintelligence killing us is over 50 percent? That sounds about right. Well, OK, so you're able to live with risk a lot better than I am. <laughs> I think so. Uh, so. Uh, do you agree with the like the Eliezer's Yukowski's hypothesis that the, the main problem is that for most goals a superintelligence would have it would want to get as many atoms as it could get? Um, so I recently published a paper about different ways AI can become dangerous, and uh, while I acknowledge that uh, this type of problem is legit and. Uh, kind of standard concerns about bugs in the code and misaligned values are also very legitimate. I see the biggest problem in an intentional misuse of this technology. Think about terrorists, think about hackers, think about crazy people getting, you know, access to this type of uh, influential technology. To me, that's a much more pressing and much more dangerous problem. It's intentional, so there is not much we can do to 
prevent it from happening just from good design. Uh, it's basically reducible to problem of how do you develop safe humans, and that's not something we know how to do. It's also, if it happens, uh, is going to be much more negative for us. If somebody's doing it on purpose, uh, we're not just, you know, possibly going to be an accident wiped out, but maybe there is some intentional uh, harm adding to it, uh, intentional causing of pain and things like that. Oh, that that's a lot scarier. I mean, you could people could bring about a literal hell. Yes. Uh, so you, you think the risk is, other than the intentional pain part, it's closer to biological weapons where it's unlikely we're going to accidentally create plagues that wipe us out, but it, there seems to be a reasonable chance that if someone in a bioweapons lab you know, says, hey, I'll just release this because I hate people and we all go away. Right. It's very similar problem to what we see in synthetic biology. And uh, I'm somewhat optimistic because in synthetic bio, we are kind of in agreement that it's dangerous and we should control it, maybe not permit human cloning right away until we better understand it. I'm kind of advocating similar approach to AGI development. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think we, we should try to develop AGI relatively quickly? Because if, if someone like you know Google or the U.S. Defense Department develops it, we, we want to make sure they're way ahead of any sort of evil organizations that might try to get it. Uh, what makes an evil organization is not obvious. It's quite possible that military would fall under that uh, classification system. Okay. Well, I say, I mean, the U.S. military already could destroy the world, so... I guess there would be different people who have access to an AGI than have access to, you know, the hydrogen bomb codes. That's true, and I agree with that. It's just if you're specifically developing AI as a weapon, as a tool for killing humans, there is a lot more opportunities for that thing to do it, even if you're not intending to use it in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's certainly true. So do you downplay the risk compared to, to other AI theorists of, you know, people with the best of intentions try to develop an, an AGI, but it it doesn't go very well. I mean, do you think it's, you know, it, do you think it's very difficult to create a friendly AGI or do you think that's more likely to be the default if you're not trying to do something bad? Friendliness is very rare. It would be hard to accidentally do it. I am not dismissing concern about the problems you described. I'm just pointing out that it's one of many, many, many pathways to a very dangerous system. So it seems like most people and most resources right now in AI safety are concentrating on it, uh, alignment of values with humanity, things of that nature. But again, I'm pointing out that that's just one way we can get in trouble, and it's not the worst way. Uh, yeah, you're certainly right. As I mean... far as I know, <laughs> there is no research on actively preventing malicious AI designed on purpose by any category of potential agents. I see. And you see, this is your comparative advantage as someone who's an expert on security, as preventing humans from doing very bad things with AI. I'm not saying I have an advantage in preventing those. I'm just pointing out that we're kind of ignoring this larger problem because it seems unsolvable and instead Mm -hmm. concentrating on something which is less dangerous just because we see some possible way forward. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, do you have any suggestions for what a company like Google or maybe the U.S. Defense Department should do to reduce the risk of, you know, someone maliciously putting, causing ADI to, AI, AGI to cause us pain? I'm not sure it's a solvable problem. That's why I'm so concerned about that. If uh, someone uh, wants to do it on purpose, now that could be a member of the research team, that could be a hacker, that could be a janitor in a building. Uh, there is not much you can do to prevent it. Well. 
What do you think of the idea? I mean, we're making a lot of progress with being able to scan the brain and looking at DNA, uh, the genetic basis of things like um, sociopathy. Might might we might it be worth it putting a lot more resources into being able to objectively identify which people are evil, which people like to kill, and then exclude them from certain areas of research? So that definitely helps to exclude, obviously, you know, mentally ill people from uh, being in charge of security or research groups. But a lot of times in history, the problems came from well-intentioned, smart people who miscalculated what is beneficial for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Well, at least the well-intentioned person wouldn't create a hell. They might accidentally destroy us. It depends on the definition of hell. I mean, somebody creating a utopia uh, might screw up in ways where you have infinite life of uh, unpleasant experiences after a while. Oh, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, those are the stories about wishing for a genie and asking for something you don't really mean. That or there's like some common jokes about, you know, a guy dies, goes to heaven basically it's full of casinos he gambles all the time wins every time mm-hmm. he goes wow this is you know quite an experience how did i get so lucky and they tell him you're actually in hell <laughs> yeah i guess that that relates to um, what yukowski's talking about with fun theory of what would it mean to be alive for a very long time and live a fulfilling life especially when you're not going to be capable of of doing cutting-edge research Right, and there is no undo button, so whatever it is, uh, you're going to be stuck with it for a long time with no possibility of saying, hey, I don't like it, let's try something else. So that is a big problem. Yeah, although hopefully there would be an option where at least after enough consideration you could end your life so we wouldn't be stuck in a hell. Uh, that's, That's also interesting. So in one of my papers I talk about possible ways of regenerating all possible mind designs, and so given that the DNA size is limited and our inputs are limited, it may be possible to recreate everyone who ever lived and uh, everyone who can potentially be considered a human just by brute forcing it given enough resources. Oh, so you mean create all possible human minds? So even if we were to you know, die now, someone in some computer program can resurrect us? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, at least the weird possibility of how do we know we're not in that right now? Oh, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, okay, um, you, you've written about ways of containing a superintelligence. Do you think if we did create a superintelligence, it would be possible to you know, keep it contained before we could determine if it was safe or maybe even never let it out but ask it useful questions? Right, so I, I immediately stated that it's never a permanent solution. It's a temporary tool to give us more time to do research. Uh, it mostly talks about sub-human uh, level intelligence or human level intelligence, uh, not so much about you know really advanced superintelligence systems. My personal belief is that it should never be let out because we have no way of knowing if it's just pretending to be nice or if it's actually nice. It can also change its mind later on after it's released. So I don't see any any reason to ever release it if we are able to successfully contain it. Do you think it would be able to escape, like to cause us to fall in love with it or come up with, with some strategy we couldn't think of? It would escape eventually. It's almost a guarantee. I have no idea how it would do it. Uh, again, I'm not that super intelligent. <laughs> but uh, I would guess, uh, given enough time, it's basically a guarantee. Okay. So would it be better to have a plan of terminating it, or would that make it even worse because it would realize we would terminate it? Should we accept if we create this super intelligence that you're going to get out sometime, and we, we hope by the time you get out we've created friendly super intelligence that will protect us or you'll treat us well? Or what? 
So it helps to be able to reset it, uh, delete its memory of recent events, uh, reduce computational resources it has to self-improve. So there are some tools, again, which help us to study it and limit its ability. But again, I don't think long term it would be a perfect solution. Mm -hmm. Although it is likely once we develop one superintelligence, in a few years we'll have one that's much more powerful. So the first one wouldn't really be a relative threat if we had the second one on our side. All right, but it's, if it's self-improving, it's probably not going to be years until we do it. It'd be seconds before it does it itself. Oh, that, that's certainly true. Uh, do you think that once we create, a, 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 say, an AI that's as good of a computer programmer as a top human, that that AI would be able to significantly improve its intelligence over a short time period? I would be very surprised if it didn't. There are so many ways to improve without even being innovative. Just adding additional resources does a lot to become superior to your competition. So you don't think there'll be much gap between when we have a human-level AI and when we have something much smarter than any person who's ever existed? Well, just take the systems we have today. We have systems which are super intelligent in so many individual domains, starting with like your calculator and math and to pretty much everything else. Now, take uh, maybe even not so much a human-level intelligence, but maybe a monkey-level intelligence and add all that capacity to it. You already basically have a super-intelligent being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, although one that can't easily upgrade its own intelligence. Not yet, but this is kind of the last uh, domain where we're still dominant, science and engineering, and it seems like that's not going to stand for very long. Uh, what's your guess for when we will have a, an AI that's better at science or programming or engineering than, than humans are? So a lot of different people give different numbers. I heard from five years to 200 years. I kind of agree with what uh, Ray Kurzweil says in terms of 2045 being about right, and a lot of different curves converge around that number. Okay. Did the, the, the recent victory of the DeepMind program in Go, does that change your estimate? Was that a big deal, do you think? Not really. I mean, it was expected given the addition of hardware they had. Uh, a lot of people said it was about 10 years ahead of what we expected, but if you normalize for the enormous hardware available, it was right on schedule. Okay. Uh, are, are there things that would cause you to change your estimate? Like, what, what would be the next milestone? What would be some milestones that would say, boy, you know, AI is, is likely to arrive sooner than I would have thought? If I saw progress in automated programming beyond just generating templates, but a program actually capable of taking a description of some, you know, homework assignment from my introduction to programming class and providing implementations for that, that that would be a big sign. Okay. Um, I think I'm an economist. And I think a lot of this will be driven by the profit motive. So is there, would it be very profitable for a company to develop something that's sort of good at doing basic programming? Well, it's the biggest growing industry. We hire the most people, we pay them the most. There is huge shortage of talent. So yeah, anyone who can automate programming would be dominating every other area. Okay, so there's you know hundreds of billions of dollars at stake. So they're probably-, probably Trillions at this point. So probably some of the best minds on the planet are working on doing this. But it's also the hardest problem. I have a paper on AI completeness where I show that it's the last job to be automated. It's the most uh, difficult of all possible AI problems because it reduces uh, to any other problem. If you can use programming to solve something else, then you have a universal problem solver. Okay. We don't see that with humans, though. I mean, obviously, 
computer programmers, are, I'm sure, are well above average intelligence, but we don't have someone who can say, look, I'm a good computer programmer, therefore I can play the guitar better than anyone else, or therefore I can solve your urban planning problems, or therefore no, I'm a great lawyer. No, but they can write a program to produce guitar-like music way better than I can play the guitar. Okay. So, I mean, one, one argument for why programming will be the last job is that once we figure out programming, you know, the AIs will be able to take over everything else. But you're saying it's more than that, that even if the, the program that could make programming didn't then increase its intelligence, the fact that it could become a computer programmer would, would sort of be evidence that it could also do a lot of other things. All right. So um, I kind of reduce this whole thing to Turing test and being able to pass it. How do you formalize this idea of you're a programmer? If I give you an assignment and it's doable, you should be able to write a program to do it. And if I told you, you know, write a program to pass a Turing test and you can do it, you're definitely a programmer. Turing mm -hmm. test is AI complete by definition, so here you are doing the most difficult AI problems. Okay, what, what do you mean by AI complete? AI complete is a class of problems which are known to be hardest in artificial intelligence. If you can solve one of those problems, you can solve all of them. They reduce to each other. Oh, okay. So some examples might include unconstrained understanding of uh, visual or text data, uh, passing Turing tests, so question answering, not just like Watson did it with lookups, but unconstrained with novel questions, novel domains. Okay. Do I mean, I know there's different theories of intelligence. One is that really all we are doing is doing lots of lookups. That's really all the way human intelligence works is we have these, you know, cache of, of memory and we're just, we're not really as smart as we think we are. And well, all you we really do, need... We do a lot of lookups and most people never come up with anything novel or interesting, <laughs> but there are a few geniuses who really manage to invent new ideas and move everyone forward. So there is at least a portion of us who have that uh, ability. I mean, can we really be sure, though? Maybe they just got lucky, or maybe they're just, they just have better memories than the rest of us, or they're able to, you know, they're able to, re remember, to hold on to the ideas that are useful while the rest of us forget them. It's possible, but now with Internet access, better memory is not a great explanation. And uh, if it was luck, they would get lucky once. But we see people who are lucky over and over and over and keep contributing amazingly. It's not a one-time deal. Yeah, that, that's certainly true. I guess there are top scientists who are, seem to beat random walks and what they're able to produce. So, I mean, I just can make this, I, I'm sort of amazed at your attitude that you're, you're willing to, there's this huge risk of us destroying ourselves or creating a machine that'll destroy ourselves and you're kind of comfortable with that. How, I mean, I'm like... Your I'm, thinking doesn't improve if you are in a state of panic or, you know, losing your ground. It, it's not beneficial to be in that state, so... Mm -hmm. Is this affecting your, your lifestyle? I mean, are you reluctant to, you know, have a lot of children because you're afraid the children won't be able to live a normal life because they'll be destroyed by AI? Uh, no, um quite happy having a lot of children. It's not an issue for me, and I don't even bring my work into my personal life. I uh, separate the two. Again, there are so many variables which might be at stake. I don't think you can make this complete decision to, you know, give up on everything else and just concentrate on existential risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess especially since, you know, one person can't make a huge difference. 
Well, uh, as we said, some people are very gifted and may move the uh, field forward. But uh, again, in the past, we had technologies. We had we faced potential of being exterminated. Uh, it helps to be calm and make okay. rational decisions instead of just running around in panic. Yeah, that's certainly true. Although what I'm worried about is a lot of top people don't seem to be worried at all about AI risk. Like the, the head of Facebook once said he, he didn't think it's a big deal. And it's... Well, first of all, there is always conflict of interest. You have to remember if you're in charge of a huge corporation and part of your income comes from AI, it certainly is not something you are even allowed to say. You can't say, you know, it's a dangerous thing and we're going to stop doing this work. It's just uh, not feasible for a person in that position. Mm-hmm. One oh. thing I like about my work is that I am free to say whatever I want. Sometimes people tell me, you know, for political reasons, don't emphasize this type of risk. It's not good. We're going to lose support from certain group of researchers. But uh, I think it's more important to follow facts and science than political correctness in science. Yeah, although it's very hard. Political correctness is very powerful in academia. It but, is. Yeah, I mean, with with so much at stake, though, here, I mean, it's... Uh, um, do, so do you think, are a lot of people in the AI community, do you, do you think at least in the back of their mind they are a bit worried about um, AI risk? They might be worried about other aspects of it. So a lot of people are worried about technological unemployment. Others are worried about violations of privacy. Uh, they might be worried about, you know, the state of encryption and how that's going to be impacted by new technology. So to a certain degree, everyone is concerned. It's just we have different uh, things they concentrate on, more immediate threats, more socioeconomic risks than existential risks. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long a gap do you think there'll be between when we'll have a lot of technological unemployment and when we'll have AIs that are, from our viewpoint, gods and you know the idea of working with humans working would just be kind of silly? Well, it's the same question as before, how soon will it happen? So mm-hmm. if I said 2045 as the, uh, you know, the date for superintelligent systems, we're already starting to see some technological unemployment is just going to get exponentially worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, m- my personal view is I think there, there will be the foom, there, there will be an intelligence explosion. And so, you know, there won't be much of a gap between more, when, you know, most adults can't get work and when we have an AI so powerful that, you know, it'll be able to rearrange the atoms on Earth the way it wants. Right. I'm definitely not losing sleep over unemployment as a huge risk factor. It may be unpleasant, but there are existing social nets in place which can deal with it. Yeah, especially, I mean, successful AI would generate so much wealth that if the government, you know, transfers the same percent of resources to the poor. That, and it also creates so many new jobs we don't even realize today they need to exist. Maybe you'll have a AI psychiatrist or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. coming up. So I'm suspecting there's going to be a shift in employment, not as much as just flat-out unemployment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. For the jobs that are AI are likely to, to take over, do you, do you think they're ever going to be, um, you know, making very high-skilled workers unemployed. I mean, to now it seems to be mostly doing like a lot of physical work and the, the people who are lose their jobs are the low-skilled workers. Do you think they're going to be able to eliminate jobs of high-skilled workers? Well, eventually, yes. We talked about programmers. That's, right. In my opinion, the highest skill level, but people who are preparing your taxes, accountants, uh, and uh, not physical labor, but actual repetitive labor will definitely be automated very soon. Mm-hmm. 
I wonder if they'll be able to politically protect themselves. I mean, some some industries will be able to. We're starting to see it with the medical sector. There are now robots capable of, for example, administering uh, anesthesia, and uh, there is a strong push against those systems. Uh, nobody wants to lose high-paying jobs to, to machines. So. Right. So, the, 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 yeah, the professions that are well-organized and are high-status, will be, they'll be able to keep their high incomes, and low-status workers won't. If, if you could, you know, have control or have more control over the direction of AI research, do you think we should accelerate what we're doing or should we all try to slow down? I know competitive pressures probably make it impossible for the world to coordinate on slowing down, but if we could, would it be a good idea? Right. So practically, I don't think it's feasible, but I did uh, argue that we should kind of have review boards and separate narrow AI projects, which should go on as before versus projects which have potential of becoming general intelligence and those we should slow down. Okay. I know this sort of the, if you are worried about AI risk, you have this sort of crazy economic view where you might want the world's economy to slow down because of course, you know, the richer we get, the more money Google and Facebook have and the more they'll put into AI research. So I've been thinking if I'm worried enough about it, I should be you know, voting for Bernie Sanders. I'm kind of a libertarian, <laughs> but I think he extreme would, here. <laughs> but if you really want to slow down the economy, say, so yeah, let's, you know, let's have this crazy leader who will want to tax the, all the corporations and will have economic stagnation and that'll give us breathing room. So here's one argument which might work. Um, if you do develop this free intellectual labor, mm -hmm. the whole concept of money kind of goes away. It makes no sense to worry about dollars when labor is free, physical and mental. So money disappears. So that actually for corporations is a big thing. If they succeed at developing this technology, they no longer have a reason to exist in that sense. They're there to make profit. And if profit disappears, why are they in existence? Yeah, and that's true. And it'll be hard for them to raise money if, if they say, look, if we succeed in creating this AGI, then the world will change so much that your investment will no longer have meaning. So, right. so it why give us money? prevents them from taking this route. I don't know if they realize it yet, but I'm sure they'll hit on that with some analysis mm -hmm. pretty soon. Although we're likely then to get billionaires who are saying, well, I'll do it, or you know, I want to live forever, or I want to be the most important human who's ever existed, so I'll create the AI and shape the... Right, the so here we go back to what I said, uh, you know, malevolent design and purpose or careless design and purpose. As I said, that's the biggest problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really, I mean, the the idea of someone malevolently creating a lot of pain for you when you can live for forever, that's, I mean, that's so scary that, I mean, it, it, if you think that's going to happen, that you, it'd be worth taking very drastic action to prevent it. But you don't want your action to be worse than the possible consequences, so you don't want forced, uh, you know, Amish paradise. Uh, yes, that that's certainly true. Although on average, I mean, considering how bad things could get, the Amherst, you know, the Amish lifestyle for eternity might be much better than what we'd expect to get on average. Again, the only way to implement something like that would be pretty draconian, and I usually advocate against anything forced and uh, you know violent on the part of the government. Yeah, although again, if like the North Koreans were making progress in AI, I would hope that our government would take very forceful action. I don't know what North Koreans are developing. I doubt they have any computers to begin with. Yeah, I think they have very old ones, but <laughs> maybe they're kidnapping people from Japan and South Korea and putting them to work developing AI. So that's actually an interesting uh, line of attack against AI safety, looking at uh, you know top researchers in that area. 
Most of them have absolutely no protection, no security. At a recent conference on uh, AI, I was surrounded by probably top five people in the area and one car accident away from being wiped out. Oh, gosh. Are, are they worried at all? I mean, I, when I wrote my book, Singularity Rising, I was sort of careful. I, I was worried that someone would like misinterpret what I was saying as they should you know, engage in violence against you know, someone doing AI research. Are they, are they afraid that this, the people who are really afraid of AI will, will do something silly? Or something, you know, awful. So that was advocated before, if you remember, Unabomber was very big on oh, yeah. fighting computer scientists and blowing up labs. Um, it doesn't seem to be a successful approach. So, oh, no, I mean, certainly, as a computer scientist, I'm definitely against it. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I think anyone should be against it because, yeah, I, I mean, Google or Facebook are, are going to be so much better at violence than, you know, a, a, any individual thinking of engaging in violence on their own. And all that will happen is the you know, the researchers for the top companies will be surrounded by security and the people who were afraid of AI will, you know, by affiliation be labeled as dangerous lunatics. So that would be one of the worst things that could happen is if someone did engage in violence against AI researchers because they were afraid of a negative singularity. You're right, but still, I think it's a good idea to add some security to top people. I mean, if you think about it, someone like Steve Jobs is worth billions in just who they are. Yes. Brain alone. So... To have someone like that with little or no security and in large groups uh, seems uh, not very smart. Yeah, no, that, that's certainly true. Um, I guess w one hope is that if they, be if they become rich, then it'll be in their interest to get security just for the reasons a lot of rich people want to have security because, you know, they'll afraid someone will kidnap them or something. Right, but typical professional conferences have zero security. I mean, there is not even an ID check. Anyone can walk in and there is enough crazy people associated with uh, any kind of super intelligence uh, related topics to where I wouldn't be surprised if something like that eventually happened. Okay, that, that is, and that's a risk we can do something about. Absolutely. So that's that's a very good practical suggestion that, you know, I'm conferences on AI have um, have protection. Um, I guess you could probably find like le comments of people talking about AI and like show it to them and say, look, these are some of the crazy things people think. So maybe you all should, you know, take more care. Right. But at the same time, those are usually very freedom loving people. So any type of restrictions would be not uh, received well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I guess we also, I mean, I was sort of joking when I said North Korea could kidnap AI researchers, but if if there are a small number of people who are extremely productive in the field, then we, we do have to worry about a foreign government kidnapping them. Just We see an examples of it, not so much with kidnapping, but more with killing. Uh, you want to prevent Iran's nuclear program, you can take out their nuclear scientists. Yeah, that, that's certainly true. I mean, the Israelis supposedly have been very effective at assassinating top scientists. And, and of course, also, I guess the main effect is it discourages very smart Iranians from wanting to become atomic scientists. At least not for Iran. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, well, I, I've been recently very interested in the Fermi paradox, and the Fermi paradox doesn't very go well with AI because if you think other, you know, other planets have faced this issue and they've either gotten AI right, at which point they should have expanded and we should see them, or they got AI wrong, at which point their AI should be expanding and gobbling up more and more of the universe. So, what what do you think of that? Do you think other civilizations? have faced this issue of what to do with potential superintelligence? So for the Fermi paradox, there are literally hundreds of explanations and it's so complex and they all interconnect. I don't think we can figure it out. We just don't have the variables. Just to give you some ideas. Uh, 
the byproduct of having those uh, developments, super intelligent systems, mm -hmm. may be creation of many simulated universes. So maybe we are in one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's possible that instead of expanding, they try to go the other around, uh, go inside into virtual worlds, more compressed, kind of singularity black hole thing. So we wouldn't see them. If you think about advances in communication, you would communicate with silence, just waiting for certain amounts of time. Your communication would be encrypted completely, meaning it's no different from random noise. There are so many things which could explain what we're not observing. I just, I can't say anything specific. Okay, so you don't think it's meaningful to look at the Fermi paradox for hints as to our future fate? I don't think we have enough data to explain it and confirm our explanation with data. We can generate, and we have, and there are surveys, hundreds of reasons why we're not seeing them. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you can pick one and definitively state, yeah, that the data supports this. Okay. Although one argument is you could argue that it's more likely that we're common than we're rare. So if you postulate we're common and the Fermi paradox, that means something is going to destroy us in a way that doesn't leave a trace. And it's another one of those possible explanations. I have no way of confirming or denying. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense. Um, so you, you've been at the Machine Intelligence Research Institute. You were, I think you wrote, you were on, in, you were doing, you were at a summer program there. I did a fellowship with them. I did summer fellows program, and I think I'm one of the advisors to them. Uh, what do you think of that organization? I mean, do you, do you think there is a decent chance they'll be able to make the difference between whether we have a good or bad singularity? Well, they really, the only one or one of a few organizations working in this full time. So whatever they do is by definition the best an organization can produce right now. And they've been very successful at uh, raising funds. Uh, they started publishing well. They hired a lot of people. So they're doing well. Is their AI research of very high quality? Um, again, the field is so new, there is probably maybe 10 people in the world working on it. So by definition, they have to be top 10. Okay, and but they are doing serious research. They are definitely publishing it in good conferences. There is not yet a journal for that uh, subdomain, so you can't really argue that they're not publishing in a top journal. But uh, as far as conferences go, they have very solid presence. I think at uh, AAAI, AGI, all those conferences, there is always at least one or two papers from them. Uh, do you think for an, uh, an effective altruist, someone who's trying to donate money in the way that best helps mankind, mankind that donating to the Machine Intelligence Research Institute is a good investment? Um. I think it's as good as anything else. I definitely don't think uh, there is a better alternative. Uh, I'm not at all an expert on effective altruism, uh, but uh, if you feel like you have extra funds, I would definitely consider giving it to scientific research, especially to my lab. <laughs> uh, what kind of research are you doing now in your lab? So one of the main areas, of course, is AI safety, what I'm working on, but we also do standard cybersecurity. We look at, uh, you know, we have current systems, we have uh, artificial intelligent bots, we have avatars. How do we provide security for virtual space? How do we, you know, tell whatever it's a human or a bot? Uh, things we can do today. So it's always good to look at the future, mm -hmm. but you cannot implement much. We don't have the systems to test it on. So we're working with current AI and seeing at the, the safety and control issues with those systems. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that's very interesting. Well, Roman, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. 
My pleasure. Anytime. It's it's really a great uh, podcast, and I wish you a lot of luck with it. Oh, well, thank you very much. And, and your book that it's currently on sale at Amazon is on Amazon. On sorry, artificial superintelligence, a futuristic approach. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, thank you very much, and have a nice day. Yeah. Bye.